Welcome to the Curate Leadership Podcast. In this episode, Joel Lavelle shares his journey of growing into leadership. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. You can grab a seat. <laughs> Thanks for being a mum and dad. Wow. <laughs> I guess that makes us old. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but um, it's funny, you know, as you get older, as you do grow, you don't necessarily see yourself as older. You still see everyone else as older. Is anyone, any older people feel that? Um, <clears throat> so I'll often say to Jules, I'll, I'll pick guys out in the crowd, like not this crowd, but like I'll be at a cafe and I'll go, see, see that guy over there? Like, am I as old as that? And she'll go, <laughs> and, and she'll say, yeah. I'm like, are you serious? Am I that old? Is that how old I am? Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, even if I look in the mirror, I'm like, I'm not old yet. Because you don't see yourself how others see you. Isn't that weird? So I just think we're peers. I just think like we're the same age, we're mates, we hang out, but I guess we are old. <laughs> it was confirmed. Now, I'm 50 this year. And I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Everyone, else, everyone who's over 50 say, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> now, I'm really excited about turning 50. It's not a problem at all. I think the more you realise you live forever, 50 is not that big a deal. <laughs> Death is but a window to the next life. That was morbid. <laughs> Welcome to team. <laughs> Death is but a doorway. <laughs> Uh, we are having a great old time. Jules has shared a bunch of things already about our new journey. We're four weeks in, four and a half weeks actually. We're five weeks. It's five weeks tomorrow. Tomorrow, well, five weeks since the farewell at Hillsong. And then on Monday, this coming Monday, it'll be five weeks since we launched the website and told everyone that we're starting Revitalized Church. And it's been a crazy five weeks. It really has, and we're really enjoying the journey. We're so grateful, really, really grateful to God, and it just feels like feels like a new start, a new lease of life. Um, we're learning things all over again, learning things that we've learnt before, and rem- remembering things that we've learnt, and it, it's really cool. So it's a new stage, new season. So we are grateful. Can we pray, please? Um, God, thank you, thank you so much. What an honour it is to serve you. What an honour it is to know you. And to be on this journey is life-changing. It really is. There are so many things that we need to understand about you. So many more things to understand about ourselves and about leadership and servanthood and kingdom life and all those things. And it feels like we need more than one life to learn the things that we need to be able to put into practice to help people all around us. So, Lord, we thank you for your grace that as we do this journey and we figure out there are are things that we shouldn't have done that we've been doing a long time, we thank you for your mercy and your grace there, Lord. Remind us, even today as we're sharing, different ones of us, speak to us and remind us, nudge us about areas that probably need to change, probably needed to change a long time ago, but you're so patient with us. 
Help us to be that patient with others as we all lead others and serve others and help others. Help us to be mindful of how slow you are with us, that we could be that slow and extend that same grace to others. So thanks for this time today. And we really do ask that you would open our hearts and our minds. We know that some of that's our responsibility, but some of it we can't even see what we need to see. So show us, help us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to 2 Timothy for me? G'day. Good to see you back in New Zealand. <laughs> 2 Timothy. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between, if you want the title of the message, the title of this thought, it's the place of parenting in leadership. The place of parenting and leadership. And uh, let me just say straight up, if you're not a parent, it does not disqualify you from what we're about to talk about because you have a parent. You've been parented. If you, and then you say, well, hang on a second, I'm an orphan. I don't know who my parents are. Well, you still had guardians. You still had people who looked after you, raised you. Um, the only person that would be exempt from this thought would be Tarzan. <laughs> uh, everyone else it relates to. It really does. And if you could even say, in some context, you could even still say that Tarzan was still parented, even though by apes. Because um, like, there still were people that loved him, right? There were still, they weren't people, they were animals, but there were still, like, there were guardians that, looked after, that raised him. And so what I'm trying to say is it relates to all of us, <laughs> whether you're a parent or not, whether you have kids or not. Because one of the things that happened to me when I was... I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't come from a religious background. And so when I became a Christian in high school, in a public school, in, uh, it was a religious class, a scripture class, I got saved because I forgot to take my exemption note to school. For real. I actually had an exemption note signed by my parents saying that I did not have to go to the scripture class on Tuesday afternoons, which meant free surfing period for me. And I was gutted when I got to school and remembered that I had forgotten my note. Um, but how kind is God? Because I got to that lesson and it was the first time I'd actually heard the message of God's loving grace. And I got saved in that first lesson. So it was pretty, pretty incredible, like an amazing story. Um, and so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but one of the first things that happened to me, I became a Christian and it wasn't like one of those Baptocostal meetings where you come down the front or you put your hand up or you, you know, make yourself known. And so the scripture teacher didn't even know that I became a Christian. So for months, um, no one had known, but I knew something had changed on the inside, but not a whole lot was changing on the outside because I didn't know what all this meant. So I didn't have a Bible. I wasn't connected to a church because it all happened at school. When I eventually got to church, and that was a real great miraculous story that God did, when I finally did get to church, I went to this church in the very first service. It was a Sunday morning. I told my parents that I was riding a few beaches up to check the surf, and I was gone for hours because <laughs> I went to church, and I lied. <laughs> and, um, and I went to church, and I loved it. And I, at that first service, didn't know anybody, and... Um, it was quite overwhelming to be in something so new, which meant something so deep, but I couldn't articulate it all. 
And at that service, during the meet and greet time, I met this family. I just happened to be sitting in the middle of a crowd. I met this family who invited me back to lunch after church. And so I rode my push bike back to their place on my way home. And I still remember that connection. And it was family. Even though I had a family. And a loving family who always provided everything for us. We grew up in a trailer park, lived in a caravan until I was 20. I didn't actually live in the caravan. Mum and Dad did. I lived in the annex. <laughs> but we grew up in a trailer park and um, I learned a lot about how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to do a lot of those things in society I learned at church through observing people at church. Uh, so when we... When we got, you know, years later when we got married and we were thinking about having kids, it was watching you fathers in church that helped me learn the things that I needed to add to whatever deficiencies I had growing up that helped me get ready to be a dad before I became a dad. There's a massive difference between kingdom and empire. Empire is these corporations we build where we build them toward ourselves and we have them for ourselves and we own them ourselves and it's we can conquer the world. And it's great, but we should not be surprised that the spirit of empire and the mindsets of empire sneak into church life and then there are expressions of churches all across the earth that become empires. And it can be dangerous because there's only one boss of the church. His name is Jesus. There's only one father of the church, that is Elohim, he's the creator. And the rest of us are all actually kids, we're all brothers and sisters. There's no uncles, aunties, there's no grandparents. We're all exactly the same at different ages, through different generations with one father. But everything that we, because we do life outside of, let's just call it church, not kingdom, because the kingdom should be in us wherever we go. But outside of Curate, we do life in business, in commerce, in banking, in sport, in arts and entertainment, in education, in media and government. We do life in all these different spaces of society and we accidentally, I would say, bring from our spaces and spheres, we bring us back to curate. And as we get here, unless we talk about these things, what happens is we bring our mindsets, we bring our thoughts, we bring our ways we bring all these things to curate. And then we have to try and deal with all these things and make sure that we don't turn this into an empire. It's meant to be kingdom. And there's one boss, there's one father, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. We've read that scripture. So here's the one I want to read. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. It says, Timothy, this is Paul writing the book of Timothy. It's the letter to Timothy. That's why it's called Timothy. And Paul says, Timothy, my dear son. Look at the language, the family language. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength. 
found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with Him. See where it's found? We can come into church service, church servant roles, um, leadership roles, all types of things in church with an arsenal and a quiver of experience from something that's not church and bring all that to the table. And some of it applies and some of it is really helpful, but not all of it is. Have you discovered yet that as a Christian, if you didn't grow up in a Christian faith, you didn't grow up under the seats, under the pews as a baby, if you're like me and you came to faith later, have you discovered yet that it's really easy when you first come to Christ, you've actually got to leave a whole lot behind to trust Him. And if you're not careful, what happens is after a little while, you stop using the faith you use to receive grace and you start using what you learnt before you gave your life to Christ to keep this faith journey going. We do that with church life all the time. We always bring our skill, our experience, all the things we learnt back in outside of church life and we keep bringing that to the table. But we need a complete transformation on the inside. And what we learn here, we should apply when we go back to work, when we go back to family, go back to education, go back to government. All the spaces, it should come from here out, not out there in. Which is when you bring all of us together, what we get to do is produce something collectively that makes all of us better for everyone who's not yet here. Anyway, we're reading the Passion Translation. I got sidetracked. And all that you've learned from me, confirmed by, my, by the integrity of my life, deposit into faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Here's the journey that we're looking at. If we, we'll start from the bottom. If you, just so that you know what I'm drawing on your page, you want to create a gap if you're coming down, all right? We're going to start down here, though. But it really does start with others. That's where it starts. We're going to go up. So create a gap on your page if you're drawing on a page. Um, it starts with others. Everyone starts their leadership journey as an other. You're just another. That's how you start. You're just another. Paul even started his journey. Not as Paul. He just started as another. If you've read through the book of Acts, you'll realize that Paul was never Paul when he first started. Paul was actually Saul. He was a bad Saul. He, was a, <laughs> he needed to have a name change because Paul, before he became Paul, was another kind of person who actually was attacking the church, dragging people off into prison. And his name was Saul, and he was another. And then he becomes Paul, and he's still just another, and he's never brought straight into leadership. He goes into obscurity pretty quickly. So you go from, um, from another to becoming reliable to becoming a Timothy, if we just follow this pattern in the Scripture, to becoming Paul. In, in leadership, so often... We, we see the, the Pauls of our life. We see the, we see the Paul, the, the, the Pauline leadership. We, we see people that are in great places of prominence, people that have got great titles, great functions. They've hit their groove. They're, they're really established. They're, maybe they've discovered their gift and their strength and it's really making a whole lot of sense now. And we aspire to this. Not many people aspire to being others. 
you don't really want to be other. There's nothing about other. I mean, there's not even a name there. It's just nobody. <laughs> it's just others, like an intern. What's beautiful about these interns is they all got introduced with names. And everyone starts their journey somewhere. It's like The Bachelor. You guys have got your own Bachelor (laughs) show going on. Luke, where's Luke? (laughs) Where's Luke? Awesome. (laughs) And... And so you look at the, the interns and you think, if I could just become an intern because you're not even an intern yet, you're just another. Every single one of us have times where we feel like we're just an other. Jules was talking about, and these guys, you know, leading Hillsong Church for the last 20 years. And in many ways, um, we've been right up here and we've left and now we're just others. <laughs> Oh, gee, it's fun. It really is. Well, like, look, the things you learn again that um, we probably would never have learned if we just stayed up here. You, you learn whether, like, were, were, people, were people being nice to us because we were Paul or just because we were people? Now that you're just others, you, you learn all these things. You're like, oh, wow. What, that's interesting. You know, one of the first things, this was, we, years ago, before we came to Hillsong Church, we were pastors of a C3 church in a different city, about an hour's drive away. It's actually where Julia grew up, a place called Wollongong. Um, Wollongong. It's weird, isn't it? Wollongong. It's like Fakatani, Wollongong. <laughs> Every time you guys say Fakatani, we're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can we just call it Tani? <laughs> Yeah, they're from Tani. How's Tani going? Tani. 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 I can't tell you how bad that is for an Australian. Tani. And some of you got no idea what I'm talking about. And that's awesome because to the pure, all things are pure. We were, um, when we first got married, a long time ago, 26 years ago, at the end of our first year of marriage, I actually came on team as a youth pastor, and then um, a few years later, we were leading that church. So we were the senior leaders of a church, and we resigned from that, and we handed that over, and we felt that we were meant to resign and move to Sydney to join what is now the city campus of Hillsong Church. But we, we didn't resign because we had jobs that we were going to. We resigned and had this gap and we just felt that we were... You know, you, we, we subscribe to a message which says God is our leader, we follow him. Some days it's hard to follow, right? When there's a gap, you know, when Peter's... If it's you, if it really is you, tell me to step out of the boat and walk to you. All right, come on. What now? So we'd already done this process a little bit. It just wasn't as large the first time. But similar types of things. So we move on 
and then we eventually, like weeks later, we get invited to come on staff as youth pastors at Hillsong Church. And someone said to us one time, how does it feel going from being a senior pastor back down to being a youth pastor? <laughs> exactly. I said, I'm not, I don't understand the question. I did, but I wanted to inject some pain. <clears throat> so I said, I, I don't understand the question. Which just makes people, the proverb says, if, if, if someone asks a stupid, a foolish question, answer it with a foolish answer. So, you know, what does it feel like to go from being a senior pastor down to a youth pastor? I said, well, I, don't, I don't understand the question. Well, what does it, you know, how does it feel? Like you were up here and now you're, and you can see as they were trying to reword the question, they were like, what a dumb question that was. <laughs> because this is how we see things. Right? And, and we attribute value to these things, um, which is why I said that about the interns, because immediately that could be the thought that we think. But what's stopping someone from in their retiring years going back and thinking, I want to be an intern? I'll tell you why you wouldn't do it, is if you thought you were just another. It's hard to start these things again. But if you're not somebody without something, you never become anybody without that thing. And so they're all great tests in life. You know, we, we, we come into this world naked. You started that conversation today. <laughs> and we're going to leave naked. They won't, they won't, like you, everything that you have is somewhere between start and finish. Didn't arrive with it, can't take it with you. But gee, it all makes life so complicated. Everything between birth and death makes life so complicated. It, we get our value from it, we get our esteem from it, our significance from it. It changes us. So much of this changes us. So we've been parents for 20 years, Jules and I. And I started my journey as a boy. I started this journey as a boy and I, there's a scripture that says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. As I grew up, I put childish ways behind. And one of the things in family, as you do life together, you realise that you can't, you can't stay a boy forever. Some of us boys, we like to. And it hurts us as we get older if you keep acting like a boy. <laughs> and so... I started as a boy, which is fine, and I did boy things, and which meant I didn't really have to think about anybody else because I was a boy. I could just be a boy with the other boys and we could just all be boys and it was just fun being a boy. But then this boy, this boy eventually fell in love with a girl. And when this boy fell in love with a girl, um, some of those boy things had to change. And when the boy things don't change, the girl's wondering whether the boy is worth staying around for, you know, like it just, and the, all these things happen. So you start down and we start to progress through life. And so I want to just, I'm just trying to use me growing up as an illustration for how we all grow up into leadership. So I started as a boy and I did boy things. This boy falls in love with a girl and still does boy things. But there's something in the relationship that you kind of overlook certain things. And what I've learn, I think what we both learned is if you don't deal with boy things when you're a boy, you will eventually have to deal with them. 
And the longer we take to deal with things that we should have dealt with, which would have been a lot easier when we were a boy, just become harder as you get older. So in leadership, when you're, an, when you're just an, another, and I'm saying just another, only in the sense of title, position, um, what you actually do, because we're all somebody in God's eyes. Jesus died once for all people. So we're not, we don't get our value or our significance out of where we are in this progression of leadership. We get our significance out of what Jesus has done for us. But we all do carry different titles and all those positions have different weights to them and they have different responsibilities and different levels of honour and different areas of respect and authority. But we're not more important than one another. But the position might be, and this gets really confusing as Christians. So the Prime Minister of New Zealand um, definitely, she definitely has, she? Yeah. She definitely has a, I thought it was, I was just making sure it hadn't had a change yet. Um, <laughs> no, as in you hadn't had a different Prime Minister, because I knew you had a female one for a while. Um, so she has a position that's, I don't know why that's funny, I was being serious. <laughs> Um, your Prime Minister has a position, a title. You know what's interesting about this? Before she became the Prime Minister, she was somebody. Hopefully the Prime Ministership doesn't change the somebody she is. Hopefully she grows and learns some things and can develop and become a great Prime Minister. But one day she won't be the Prime Minister. So the title is like a hat. You wear it for a season. And we respect the hat. If someone's wearing the hat, you, you, you act differently around the hat. And you should. Because God graces and governs and he hands out. But he doesn't hand out to make you special because you're already special. So everyone's special and he picks special people, which means he picks all of us for different hats. And we all wear different hats for different seasons for different reasons. And if we can't work out why we wear our hats, then we get mixed up with our value and our significance. So we've got two children, um, and those children have different hats. But they have the same value. And one of the things we're learning as parents is you, there are different weights of responsibility on your different children and trying to help people, trying to help kids understand that and know that you, you, you wear this hat, which makes you maybe a little bit more, in, your role is more important in the home at certain times, but it doesn't make you as an individual more important than the other sibling. And we have to learn all these things as we go through life. So I was just a boy, and I did boy things. I then became a boy who loved a girl and still did some boy things. And we had to deal with some of, that thing, some of those things, and there's a transition that has to take place to stay together. And there were some definite transitions that had to take place for, for us to stay together. Um, then the third thing that happened is I became a husband. So I stayed with this girl and we got married and I became a husband. But I didn't understand my responsibility as a husband until that first night. And I think it was the weight. I'd already been living by myself. My parents had moved away. Julia had lived with her parents her whole life. We get married that first night. She doesn't go home to her family home. She comes back with me. Well, you know, we didn't actually go to our home because we stayed you know, at a hotel before I went and we had a honeymoon or whatever. But the point is we started 
we moved into a home. And something strange happened where I realized the responsibility of another life. Where, whereas while we were dating, um, in, in all the right senses, we kissed each other goodnight and sent her home. She went home and she went back under her father's house and he looked after her and was ultimately responsible for her. And if anything happened to her, I would be concerned. I'd be there straight away. But really it was up to her dad to make sure everything was okay. That first night and that first week in the honeymoon and moving into a house together ourselves, it actually hit me more than I realised that if something goes wrong, I can't just go, oh, this, ring your dad and just send her home. <laughs> like, I've got to fix this. <laughs> if she's sick, I've got to sort this out. If it's 11 o'clock at night and something's going wrong, I'm the one that's got to sort this. If someone bangs on our door and is wanting to get in to steal something, I've got to protect her. This is me now. And it's a whole different thing than just being a boy. And it's even greater than being a boy who's loving a girl because now I'm a husband. And there's some things that have to change, some transitions that need to take place. Then we became parents. And when I became a dad, it changed again. And it, it all starts to change. These things all change within us. And we're now we, we help to give birth to others. And we give birth to other ideas, other opportunities. Uh, we give birth to other things. And, and as a parent, I'm learning it's not just about being a physical dad to two children. Now it's about, it, it, it's a stage of life where you give birth to things, where it, in the leadership flow and the progression, it's about giving birth to opportunities for people. See, the way I live now as a dad and I bring that into leadership because I think in some ways we may never lead better than we'll actually be as parents. Now, we may be better parents than we are leaders, but I'm not sure we could ever lead better than we can parent. I think whatever deficiencies and whatever dysfunctions we have still as parents, they're probably still present in our leadership. Which is worth us journeying from boyhood, girlhood, all the way through to parenting to make sure that society, we actually allow God to use society to change us so that we become better instruments for his glory and his grace back to the society we live in. So a couple of examples. Um, when, I, when we were married a, little, a few years, uh, it became quite apparent that I had trouble getting home when I would say I would get home. Um, but near enough was good enough, you know. Seven o'clock, it's kind of seven, it's, you know, 7.59, still in the sevens. Um, I didn't realise how much of a problem that was because my parents had just said, you've got to be home by the time the sun goes down. If the sun's set and you're not home, you're not inside, you're in trouble. And so you kind of just do whatever you want until the sun sets. And if you don't deal with some things as you're growing, like you, as a boy, you can get away with things. A boy loves a girl, yeah, not as many things. As a husband, it's, all these things start to change. And so I, this created friction where Jules would be, because this is back when mobile phones hadn't been invented yet, right? So you can't just kind of go find my friends. Oh, he's still at the surf or, you know, it was like you got no idea and it creates anxiety and all these things you're learning that you don't know until you need to know. And this is the journey of our leadership. 
It's the place of parenting and leadership. We have the most incredible opportunities as a community, as a family, to learn things that we learn outside of what we're doing today. We learn all the time, every day, at every moment. We learn them as young people. We learn them as adolescents. We learn them as people who are getting engaged and getting married and having kids and having grandkids and having a great talk to Nonna before on the break about um, no one knows the name. It's just Nonna. Um, and it, the transitions that we go through and the, and the things that we do as we get older. And you, it, even they've, they've you know, obviously come from Hamilton, which is the, obviously the place that sucks the life out of your soul. <laughs> um, but I was having an incredible conversation with them who are in, in, in like a senior in their roles not just in leadership in Hamilton, but with their experience and the maturity and their life and growing up and already being not just, they've gone through all those stages and being physically being grandparents and all those things. And then to give all that up and to come here and to start again in a church and the, and the things that they're going through while you're older, but having to go back to start again. We have those opportunities every day to start again, start again, start again. And if we think leadership is all about trying to get to become this, we're going to miss the beauty of what we learn every day by being willing to be just another in the crowd and, and becoming reliable. So, I mean, how do you be, an, another, just being another, how do you be another? Just by being willing, just turning up. By being here, you're just, you're another. And if you're already significant before you get here, then being here or not being here is irrelevant. But you're just here and you're another. Reliable is getting things done. The ability to get things done. Timothy is trust over time. It's just this journey where we, just, we, we get trusted over time because we keep turning up and we keep getting things done and eventually these are the roles that we get. Not that you need one to become important because you already are. But we get here because we're trusted over time. And Paul is something that just happens over time. And the gap for Paul is really the ability to raise and release. Which is why we go back and we start with, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many other reliable witnesses. Now you teach these truths. To, one, to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's the ability to raise and release. And I believe wherever, whatever stage of life we're at, whatever our leadership journey is at, we can learn from every different aspect of life and society. And wherever you find yourself here on this progression, just realize you're important before you start. You're valuable because of what Jesus has done. Different hats have different weights. And wherever you are, that will naturally take place as you just are willing, as you get things done, as you are trusted over time. And if you are up in these higher levels, please, please, please make sure you're wanting to raise and release. It's one of the greatest gifts of being grandparents. It's what none of us are saying to me. It's one of the greatest things which we're looking forward to and you have that ability to do. Whether you actually are married or not, whether you actually have kids or not, that's something that we can all do in leadership together. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
For more content and updates, check out curatechurch.com or follow us on the Curate app.